Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. We are brought to you by MedHab, makers of RPM Squared, an innovative system of gait analysis that slips right into your running shoes. My name is Richard Diaz. I am your host. Are you a runner? Do you love to get out and challenge yourself? Running your first marathon or maybe caught the bug of obstacle racing? Well, sit tight because this is a show you just don't want to miss. All right, folks. I have the great fortune of introducing to you Eric Noctreeb, right? Did I screw it up? No, that's right. Oh, good. He's executive producer for One Eye Open Productions and is essentially tied at the hip to what is the Adventure Racing World Championships and the sport of adventure racing. And before there was OCR, before the popularity of Spartan Racing, Back in the day, adventure racing was huge. It was kind of a cultish type of thing. I have friends that did these events back in the day, and I was so pleased to see kind of a resurgence of the sport. Um, And I sought this gentleman out so that we could kind of chat about this. Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show with me. Thanks for having me, Richard. Um, and yes, uh, in addition to uh, executive producer at One Open Productions, I am also a partner and uh, executive producer with my uh, co-producer, uh, Vivian Smith, at the Adventure Racing World Series. And we run the uh, media house over there uh, with uh, Craig Bycroft and Louise Folk. And we, uh, at this time, are taking the Adventure Racing World Series and bringing it to a new media level. Let me share with you a couple stories, see if this kind of resonates with you. Sure. So I'm having lunch with uh, my old friend Kathy Sasson, who was quite a stud in the sport of adventure racing back in the day, doing the, uh, I'm going to screw up the name, Raid Galloway. Yes. (laughs) Kathy was uh, part of the uh, Eco Challenge group back when I, uh, was starting adventure racing and I actually looked to her and, and many of her teammates as our heroes back then. Right. Uh, she started in the Raid Galois, which was Galois. Uh, that's how you say. Yeah, French race started by Gerard Fusil, who I happened to uh, write Gerard at one point in the '90s and say, "Man, this is an awesome sport. How do I get involved in this?" And he actually wrote back and and said, hey, well, "Here's how you do it." So I remember this conversation we were having, and um, some of the details escape me, but in essence, what happens is Kathy was captain of a team, and I believe it's a team of four, and they were bivouacked in the Alps or someplace crazy like that. They, you know, there's rules in respect to the equipment that you must have with you in order to survive the event itself. And one of the things you have to have is you have to have a a toothbrush, and you have (laughs) to have a, uh, a space blanket. And because they wanted to cut the weight when they when they travel, they would cut their the stem off of their toothbrush so that all that was left 
was the brush portion of the toothbrush to cut weight. And then she took the um, space blanket. There was no, they said you had to have one. They didn't say how big it had to be. So they cut it to the size of a handkerchief. And <laughs> and they shared one tent. And so basically the four of them would climb into this tent almost on top of each other, all of which was to be competitive in this event. And I sat there with my jaw on the ground listening to a girl tell me about this craziness she was involved in. And then being in the, uh, the Amazon River or something like this and contracting some type of virus or, or some mosquito bite or something that was just, it plagued her for months after she got home. I'm like, God damn it, what are you doing, girl? And uh, so anyway, the resurgence, I'm very excited about this because the OCR community are always looking for challenges, and I think they're introducing them to this is going to be pretty amazing. Well, yeah, I, th- I think um, one of the exciting things that you touched on about adventure racing is that uh, it takes you globally from the Alps to the Amazon to n- northwest China to South Africa uh, South America, North America. So you get to do, uh, conduct yourself in these challenges, which are multi-day nonstop challenges all over the world. That is the real sexy part of adventure racing. What you touched on with the toothbrush and the space blanket, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, back, back a long time ago when we raced, uh, we, and, and, and top teams still do, they pay attention to the weight. We did it ridiculously. You, you know, on your backpack, you'd have the extra straps and you'd tighten your backpack up just to where you needed it. And then you cut the extra straps off your backpack because you didn't want that weight, just like they did with the toothbrush, et cetera, and the mylar sheet for their um, safety blanket. But, you know, one of the things that we at the Airworld Series, uh, we, we control is safety. So you can't cut your space blanket down to a, a napkin anymore <laughs> uh, because we have we have to keep it safe. But trust me, keeping it safe and keeping the safety rules in does not take the adventure away. You can take a look at the videos we put out and see that's truly the case. Right. Um, when uh, when they when they do those sorts of things, uh, moving through those regions and, and, and bivouacking in the snow, etc., this still occurs in adventure racing. We just make sure that they carry the proper safety equipment so that we can get people moving through these races. I mean, they go out there to experience this race, actually to live it. There's a a, a statement that's often said by adventure racers, especially uh, the first ones. And and, and the people have completed adventure races for years. Adventure racing is an entire lifetime of experiences and emotions in about five to six days. They go through everything within themselves and within their teammates. So we try to keep them safe within reason. They still have to make good decisions, though, and uh, move through these exotic environments. And we don't typically build, we don't have any obstacle courses. It, it is the mountains and the rivers and the jungles. And these are the obstacle courses that you must move through uh, on an epic scale. Walk us through... A typical event. I know that there's multidiscipline. You're, there's navigation. There's rappelling. There's climbing and kayaking and and mountain biking. And I, I know I'm just looking at it here, and I can see that the Adventure Racing World Championships is going to be held in Shoalhaven, Australia, this year, November 8th through the 18th. 
and if I'm not mistaken, it looks like about 99 teams from about 20 different countries. But just kind of give us a sense of what it looks like day after day after day and kind of how it all shakes out. You bet. Uh, let me give some context to it, Richard, to, since most of your listeners probably don't quite understand the concept of the race. This is a team event. So you enter this race with a team of four, and you have to have a either mandatory female or mandatory male, depending on which gender dominates your team. And this team has to stay within 100 meters of each other the entire race. The clock starts at the beginning of the race, and you move along this course, which is not marked, and you move along it with map and compass. There's no GPS allowed. And you have to, very in a very militaristic fashion, you have to support your team, and you have to get them across this line. And this line will be five, six, eight, ten days later. And you're moving across, you know, 400 to 600 kilometers of terrain. And so this is very simplistically how the race is set up and how you move through it. If you have a teammate drop out, you can certainly finish the race, but you'll finish behind the ranked teams that still have their four teammates. Uh, you cannot compete in this race as an individual, your typical races as an individual or a duo, purely because the essence of the sport is to get your team across the line. It is, it, it is a very uh, team-driven sport. There are um, smaller races. Uh, I'll describe in a minute the typical race. But there are smaller races that are 12 hours and 24 hours or two or three days. And they're conducted typically the same way. Uh, but often the smaller races will allow you a team of two, a uh, team of three, very rarely a team of one. Uh, and, and these are great races because it's not always you can get everybody together, your team of four, and, and do a race. And they're great for training and, and introducing yourself into the sport. And you can find these smaller races almost on every continent. Um, a bigger race. I'll take you through the bigger uh, race, which is your standard race. Your typical, when you say adventure racing, this is what it is. You'll um, typically go to a different country. Uh, that's the... Uh, beauty of the race that's the exciting part is we're going uh we leave here in a week to shoalhaven australia uh, it's going to be some of the most amazing uh, beaches and bushes uh, bush regions in the world um and the what a team will do is they'll go to this exotic area whether it's the amazon or the alps or it's uh in uh i let's see uh up in uh, china or in wyoming is the world championships next year you take your team, you, you will transport your bike in a bike box, uh, you'll transport your gear in gear boxes, and you'll get them to the race. Uh, often teams will say that they're excited to race because most of the race and most of the battle is getting yourself there and getting your gear there. But once you get there, and the races often uh, will help you, within the Air World Series, the races really help you get your stuff there and help you get there. You enter one of these races. Um, typically, you've uh, you know you've trained a bit. Again, the beauty of this race is you'll have professional teams, semi-professional teams, and then you will have people who have this is their first race they're going to do. And the races are designed to uh, take those different uh, groups of people from the weekend warrior to the very hardened expedition or off-road triathlon or uh, expeditionary type of person. And they'll take them into these races and line them up all at the same starting line. 
and the gun will go off. And sometimes adventure races, the gun goes off and people are kind of running out. Sometimes they just kind of walk in a group. Remember, this is like an eight-day race, so a little bit of a sprint in the beginning is not going to gain you a lot. Matter of fact, you might make errors because this is done by map and compass. So teams often take off from the start line in different directions. Um, and they had, you know, the disciplines will be, they're not in uh, any standard order. Every race within the Air World Series is designed by an individual race director. And they bring in not only what they like about kayaking and mountain biking and trekking, etc., but they also bring in the facets of culture. And that's a very important part of adventure racing is we try to move these races through extraordinary culture and often incorporating different types of cultural items into the races. Uh, I, I know that some races will maybe have you build your uh, own uh, raft out of bamboo. Uh, they'll have you build it out of reeds in Ecuador once. Um, you'll have to participate in making uh, noodles at some point for one of your uh, stops, uh, which are a, a cultural stop is often something that occurs. So a race can start with uh, kayaking. This will can be uh, uh, white, uh, white, uh, excuse me, a flat water kayaking, open ocean kayaking. Uh, you're in double kayaks. There's two of you in each kayak, uh, two kayaks. Uh, it could start with a trek right up the side of a mountain. It could start with a mountain bike. Um, and sections, you know, mountain bike sections, maybe, um, you know, 50 to 100 or more kilometers. And, and every section will be in that range. And it, the number of disciplines that you might do in a race is unlimited. They're usually generally long sections, but you can mountain bike twice. And the race organization will move your mountain bike and they will move your gearbox. You only see your mountain bike and gearbox at specific areas. So if you don't manage your food correctly or your water correctly or you bring something to treat your water, uh, you're going to have to you know, do without. You're going to have to deal. There's no outside race or support uh, in these races except for areas where you transition your gear, but that support only comes from your gearbox. No one can come in and help you. Uh, with anything. So if your bike breaks, you know, you, you try to fix it, or maybe you can buy one off a of local. Um, you uh, move on to things like trekking, or uh, uh, in your trekking will take you into amazing areas. I know this year, uh, while we were filming Adventure Racing in Belize, we went into an area in Belize, there was a natural stone arch, where literally no one but scientists had been before. Uh, we were just up in China filming, and racers went into regions at the end of a kayak where no Westerner had ever been before. Matter of fact, one of our film team was the first person to step on the ground there from the West. Um, so adventure racing takes you into these areas, and you can go be you can go do caving. Uh, there's often a rope section. Rope sections will be part of the course. They're not uh, uh, they're not something that's just put in to put in. So it's part of moving along the area. You'll have to go to a section and you'll have to ascend with ascenders over a rock section, or maybe you have to traverse with leashes, or you might have to repel over a big drop. Um, and these can be, uh, you know, these can be scary for teams and you have to, again, use teamwork to move through them. And you move through all of these disciplines over 
days. And so you have to manage your sleep. That's another big uh, strategy besides navigation in adventure racing is teams will go out and they might go for 40 or more hours without sleeping. Most teams will take little cat naps, maybe an hour, a day or so. So I believe uh, the team that uh, just raced in China, uh, they completed, this was a shorter race, and, and they other teams were out there for four, I believe, four days or so. They completed it in 36 hours with not, they didn't sleep the entire time on this shorter course. On bigger courses, they'll sleep two hours in, you know, four days or, you know, just depends on how honed the team is. Wow. So, and one of the, uh, one of the uh, dynamics that also comes into play is the team dynamic. I think that's besides probably the culture and just the, the excitement of pushing yourself to the limit and finding out if you're tough as you think you are. One of the most exciting things is the team dynamic and, and racers and teams comment on this all the time. The team dynamic is the interaction uh, between your uh, captain and your uh, other uh, the navigator and, and the other two racers on the team, the, what we call maybe the mule who carries a lot of the stuff often. And you have to manage uh, these people within your team. And that has to work well and gel well because the navigator is going to make mistakes. The team cannot get upset. They have to support him. Uh, they have to give him that support so he can continue to do that because he's navigating without sleep or food just like them. When a, every, On any given day, any 12-hour, 24-hour period of time during racing, uh, a ra one of the teammates will have a bad day. You, you, everybody has a bad day. And it might be your strongest teammate. And you have to do things like carry his pack for him, uh, make sure he eats, feed him sometimes. I see teams feed each other because the person was so exhausted they couldn't eat. Um, and you have this team dynamic and making that work is really what makes a successful team. Yeah. In the world of OCR with the world's toughest mutter, they have, well, last year what they did, I, I called it a sucker's bet where they, they said four man team, first team to get across the finish, uh, with over a hundred miles gets a hundred thousand dollars. And the sucker bet of it was that it's just so difficult to get four people as a team to to finish together because you're always going to have somebody that has a problem i mean uh, i've seen lots and lots of guys end up with hypothermia and get pulled out and just basically trash the whole team effort they allow you to go solo after the fact but now they've got it down to two man or, or two person teams and that everybody's been excited about that because the fewer people that they have to depend on the more likely they are to succeed yeah, and, and that that is the essence of adventure racing is culture, team dynamic, and moving over multiple days nonstop. I mean, imagine the athletes you talk to. I want them, when they hear this, imagine doing what you're doing right now in this obstacle course. Repla replace those obstacle courses with caves, raging rivers, mountain peaks, uh, downhill mountain biking, all this. Now take it and put it over six days. Now start the clock and never stop the clock for six days. Now put four people together, uh, one of them a man or a woman on the team, and now get them without a GPS and without a marked route through these mountain regions uh, using your map and compass 
and have them all get to the other side at the same time without ever being 100 meters apart the whole entire race. And these are hundreds mm -hmm. of miles, right? This is these are hundreds of miles. We're talking three, four hundred mile courses nonstop and going through the night when when the sleep monsters get you and, and start to take dismantle your brain while you're going and you're somebody's throwing up and, and somebody's, you know, saying, I can't go on. And now some you have to motivate them. Uh, the, the reward of finishing one of these races is, is a reward of a lifetime for many teams. Yeah. Now, talk to me about the world championships. Now, there's a qualifying situation, right? You've got to have – talk to me about qualifications. Talk to me about the reward. And talk to me about the standings. Yeah. yeah well, in the Adventure Racing World Series, there are uh, multiple races, which you can find at the ARWorldSeries.com, uh, at the website. You can find all the races around the world. Anybody can go to these races, these qualifier races. And uh, usually they attract people from those regions, but they also attract people globally because a lot of teams like in North America, they want to go race in Africa. I mean, who doesn't want to go do that? That's amazing. And so these teams will come from all over and you can race any of these races you want. And you don't have to be pro or semi-pro. You can literally come off the couch with your buddies and bring your bike and go to these races. You go, you go into these races and to qualify, uh, to go to the world championships, you have to place on the podium in these qualifiers and you'll get things such as uh, uh, paid entry uh, or uh, uh, award money, depending on the race. They're not, it's not at this time standardized the award money across all the races. Right now, we're bringing the Adventure World Series and its race, uh, races around the world slowly up to where we're going to have a, a standard across for right now. We've started with safety um, and course uh, design, and then we're going to move to things like uh, prize money, etc. But right now you can qualify uh, placing on the podium, go to the world series. Now, if you do the math, there's obviously more people at the uh, world championships than qualify in the world series. And that's because our sport is quite young. So the qualifying is to get your uh, free entry. And then if you want to show up and race in the world championships, which is, again, we pride ourselves on one of the beauties of the sport, there's always room for teams to come in who have not qualified to race from around the world. Now, what you do find naturally is to go to the world championships and race against some of the best teams in the world. You see a lot of really good teams show up. But we always promote teams from the region to show up to the races. That's really important to us to cultivate new teams out of the region. I mean, how awesome is it in a sport to be able to show up and, you know, play basketball on the same court with Michael Jordan and, and talk to him before and after the game? And that's in our race, our type of racing and in the World Series, what can happen and what you can do. And you show up to the Adventure Racing World Series. And again, you can go to the uh, website and there's a uh, prize money payout and there is obviously the stature of being the world champions. And we do have teams that are uh, have some of the highest caliber athletes, endurance athletes in the world. And they typically are put together on the top of the podium. And they often have uh, sponsors like Seagate and Thule, Columbia, um, these sorts of names behind them. But what you will see in the standings uh, within this race is – in the world championships right now, you have 99 teams. And of those 99 teams, we've 
this will be the biggest adventure race there's ever been in the world ever with this many racers on the course and this depth in the in the world championships right now it used to be last year and the year before if you 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 would be saying i did pretty good i did really good to get in the top 10 this year if you get into the top 20 you're going to be pretty happy just because of the caliber of racers that are are turning out now what is the cost uh to bring a team into the sport well, that's a good question, what it costs to bring a team in this sport. It depends on where you start with your costs. I mean, if you start with your training, uh, the equipment that you need to get, uh, and then eventually uh, getting to races, and then getting to an international race or two, and then getting you know, to the Air World Series, I mean, I don't know what that cost would be. I mean, it probably over time, it's pretty significant. Well, but, I guess what I meant yeah. was, the, uh, if I wanted to enter a team into one of these events, what's a typical cost for a team to enter? Oh, it, it'll vary, uh, but it'll be uh, uh, several thousand dollars uh, for a four-person team. So split across your four people, you know, you could be entering some races that are a few thousand dollars and then some that are up to $8,000 uh, to enter into these races. But you have to remember that when you go, this is, again, a, a you know, six- to eight-day race. Uh, there, you're also set up uh, – in the area where you race within the cultural region and it's really catered after and a really amazing experience a lot of these teams will do this not only as a sport but as a vacation will bring their families there's a lot of families coming to australia this year well i knew it was expensive because i recall and we're again referring to kathy she was telling mm-hmm. me she's kind of walking me through and i think back then a team was uh generally sponsored but about ten thousand dollars to participate in some of these events uh, like Echo Challenge, I think was in around that kind of money, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Echo Challenge was around ten to thirteen thousand, and um, you know that uh, right now. Again, I'm being a bit vague because all the races are a little bit different, um, and you have to go again. Go to the airworldseries.com, look up the races, and see what the entry fees are for the different races. Um, but when you uh, talk about the overall fees, I mean they're definitely under ten thousand. As they sit now, and uh, you can again, it's a team of four, and that's I think what a lot of people have to kind of get their head around. It's not for individuals. Well, the other thing to consider is that this is a tremendous amount of support you're asking. You you have people that are going to have to kind of keep an eye on you for six days over you know vast amounts of terrain, and and it's it, it's a complex thing. Yeah, the staff that uh, that Craig and Louise and other race directors put together. I mean, it's it's immense. I mean, you have people throughout the course making sure that there's the ability to rescue, uh, they're, that they're manning different transition areas, they're moving your bikes, your gear. And also, you have to remember, they've spent two years, two years developing these courses, most race directors. They've gone out there and they've walked every inch of the course they've gone out there and gotten the special permissions they've lobbied the government to get into areas where you literally could not get into if you just rocked up as a tourist so all of this is uh, i think obviously we think is immense value to this type of racing and it's i mean I, quite frankly i i've always found it worth it and i think every single race who's finished a race is like all right sign me up where do i get to the next one um and to give you an idea where people come from, um, you know, from the uh, – is it the OCR? Is that what? Yes. You're, yeah. 
to get an idea of where people come from, uh, you know, as in the OCR, you know, they're doing uh, a kind of, I, I would say, a compact version of adventure racing with obstacles, et cetera. And, and it sounds like the OCR is expanding a little bit in its time frame, et cetera. Back when we started racing, and a lot of people who start racing now, you know, they're already mountain biking, they're already kayaking, they're already doing climbs, etc. And all of a sudden, they discover adventure racing, and, and they really already have the gear. Um, and you don't have to have world class gear, you have to, you know, obviously, if you want to podium, you do, but you can show up with the stuff you're training on now, and give it a go. And you can finish. One of the things I didn't mention in the course earlier, is as you move through the course, and the time frame starts to shorten to where the time allotment to finish the courses is coming to an end. The race directors have built in what they call a short course. So these teams that aren't world class can still finish two thirds or more of the course and get the same experience and, and value for entering the race by they're not going to be stopped. We try to get everybody across the finish line. Of course, people who finish without a teammate uh, finish farthest back the people who finish the shorter course finish ranked below the people who finish the full course but everybody still gets the exhilaration of of talking to everyone afterwards and saying ah you know were were you there in africa in you know 2013 and and, and oh yeah i was there and you really start to hear these vibes of uh you hear with military members who've been in theater it's it's really quite amazing yeah i i know it's 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 really um uh, what is the word I want to use? Just, just to well, I mean, you're in the media business and and you're filming this. It's just powerful to watch what these people are putting themselves through over the course of this time, and just the emotions that are are, are drawn into play because you're stressed. I mean, you're hungry, you're tired, you're cold, sometimes wet, uh, oftentimes wet, and you know your feet are given up on you. I, I remember conversations with Kathy talking about duct taping your feet because you, you know the blisters on the blisters on the blisters just you just could you just could not um keep moving if you didn't if you didn't find a way to correct some of these maladies that come about so it's a powerful powerful thing and and that again that, that's pretty much why I sought you out I said wow this is right in the wheelhouse of these folks that are I have I have a bunch of athletes right now setting out to do this world's toughest mutter and again it, it's a 24-hour event but still it's even though they're manufactured obstacles, they're very complicated obstacles when you're tired and trying to trying to stay awake and trying to cover in excess of 100 miles over the course of 24 hours. It, that's pretty tough. Yeah, um, I mean, they, they look tough and challenging. I admittedly have not done one. I, I thought about doing uh, an OCR a few years ago, uh, but I just never got around to doing it, I guess. Uh and I, when I look at them, they look exciting and, and they look fun and challenging. And I really think that people out there doing OCR can not look at adventure racing as like, oh, a, a different type of OCR, but take, taking what they're doing to this next level of expansion of, of personal enrichment, of, of finding out, you know, how strong am I? How far can I push myself and how well can I manage a team? There seems to be something quite primal in people who do adventure racing. A lot of people will say, man, 
I, I should have been born in a different era. I should have been an explorer or one of these people. I just, I feel alive out there. And it's something a lot of people do when they come out of their office and they go do these races. Yeah. They, they engage life on a level that we just don't get to anymore. And so I, I challenge uh, the OCR racers to come out and try this. You know, not only, you know, find out, you know, what you are, but come and enjoy what we would like to call the most difficult and the toughest human endurance sport in the world and come out and let us know if we think we're right. <laughs> so you got some guys that are actually offering up training like navigation and things like this, don't you? Yeah. Uh, in the regional areas, uh, you'll often find uh, clubs and adventure races that have extensions that offer uh, navigation or, you know, th there's a lot of things you need to know. You don't normally need to know in life, like how to ford a river or, you know, how to do uh, a, a Jumari or, or ascension, how to abseil, um, how to carry your bike properly up a mountain. Uh, and there's a, these, a lot of interesting things you can learn, but navigation is the big one and, and team yeah. dynamics, you know, <laughs> if you don't have navigation, you're not going anywhere, but it's, it's, very easily learnable. I used to teach a three-hour course at our REI. Um, and the Adventure Racing World Series is working on the future of developing these clinics that we can roll out to people all around the world in which we can uh, have them come in and, and learn these types of skills. But the best way to do it, in my opinion, uh, is to go out there, get yourself like a book from the library, get yourself a map, go do some orienteering or some rogating, uh, and then enter into one of these small races. Go out there, see if you like it, and I, I guarantee you'll be addicted. I think if you go to our Facebook page at the uh, Air World Series, Adventure Racing uh, World Series uh, Facebook page, you'll find one of the most common themes is we're addicted. This is addicting, and I'm pretty sure you guys have the same thing in OCR. So I think we're talking about the same people looking for the same thing. Well, trust me, a while back I did a poll where I asked people without using their names and, you know, their identities, but just mm -hmm. how much money they spend a year uh, dedicated to the sport of OCR and, and mm -hmm. primarily what they spend in entries. Mm -hmm. And I found that the average was between five and 6000 a year. Mm -hmm. And the the most that I heard was a little over thirty thousand a year, and I probably had it was a, it was a short sampling of people, but I probably had three people that were in that range of thirty thousand a year to compete in these races. And mm -hmm. it's not uncommon for a lot of these folks to race almost every week in at different parts of the country at great expense. So this is not something that I think would be outside the wheelhouse for them to participate in. I think part of it is just kind of um, getting a team together and making the decision that they're going to target an event, you know, and, and prepare for it, collectively well, prepare for it. I think so. I think one of the best things to do is start going out and hike some mountain bikes together with your team and start talking about maybe doing this. And, and, and keep in mind, there are races – you can spend as little or as much like any other sport on this. Um, there are races you can go uh, that are eight-hour races, 12-hour races, 24-hour races. I think you can go and register for 150 bucks, 200 bucks. You even have urban races, um, again, all around the country and all around the world. 
And you can go do these smaller races. These smaller races aren't part of the Air World Series, but they're typically put on by Air World Series races. So, for instance, um, the Air World Series uh, race in Africa is in South Africa, uh, and the Expedition Africa is the series race. But they also put on a bunch of smaller races around South Africa that are, you know, 12 hour, et cetera. And that's an example of the tear down that you'll find uh, underneath most Air World Series races. So you can come in for a few hundred bucks uh, and race as a team of four and go do this thing and then work your way up and see, you know, where you want to go. And a lot of teams will do that. They'll race locally a little bit. And then they will move on to one of the Air World Series bigger races in their region and then try to get to the world championships. Just doing one of the series races, regardless of the world championships, is an amazing experience. And, and sometimes that's all people do. Most people want to get to the world championships because that is definitely the pinnacle. And many will never go there and will really have an extraordinary adventure racing career just going to the different races in the World Series. Some people tick a bunch of those off. Uh, and whether you want to be ranked or on the podium uh, in the Adventure Racing World Series, it really depends on how much effort and time and energy you want to put into it, just like anyone else. But you can enter the Adventure Racing World Series and participate in it at whatever level you are at and have an amazing time. Even if you're the last team coming across the line, I guarantee you you'll be just as excited, if not more excited, than the first team. Uh, I've watched several of those teams towards the back of the pack, and, man, they are pumped that they survived the whole thing. I'd imagine. So just from looking at the site, that right now Seagate is the, the, the leading team, and I believe there's an American team in third place. These are national teams, correct? Yes. Uh, so each team uh, participating in the Adventure Racing World Series that wants to be ranked and wants to move on to the World Championships, uh, they have to participate with uh, three people from uh, the same country. So they're national teams. And what you have right now is Team Seagate, which is a team that harkens clear back to the Eco Challenge days. Uh, who is dominating right now and, and has for quite a while. And I think people are looking to, to see some turnover there, but that, that's going to be tough. Those guys are, uh, the Kiwis are extraordinary. Um, and then you have uh, Columbia Viterade, um and they that team is a younger team, and, man, they are tough and they are after it. And we'll have to see, you know, what happens with them. And then you have Adventure Medical Kits. Uh, the U.S. team, which has just been a solid uh, global team, as well as uh, Merrill Adventure Addicts, who've been around for a long time, and the Swedish Armed Forces. The Swedish teams are probably the most prolific teams in adventure racing. They really embrace the sport. They're very good at growing people up out of uh, orienteering uh, racing, and you see a lot of Swedish uh, teams and team members throughout uh, the top ranks. Got it. Eric, tell us where the best place to find information about the sport and all the goings-on. Well, the best place to get all of the information would be at the airworldseries.com website. There you can find information about racing. It's basically the portal, the hub of 
all of the information around the world, all the different races. So go there and take a look. And I would highly recommend going to the AR World Series YouTube page. There you can find uh, videos, promo videos from the different races to see what the flavor of the races are. There's interviews with race directors to get an idea of what, how they design their races. There are teams that do trainings and film them, and we put those up there. Um, there's all kinds of very interesting things. I, one of my favorite is the team training, which is uh, that playlist is called the pain train, which is an adventure racing term. Um, and then you can uh, go to the Facebook page. And on the Facebook page, um, you'll find right now two videos that have recently come out. One is uh, the Adventure Racing World Series video. And this video is basically a promo for the Adventure Racing World Series. And the one people seem to really be watching right now, 68,000 views in the last 24 hours, wow. is what is adventure racing? They want to know what what is this sport, and uh, we we designed a video to explain just that. Go there, take a look at it. Uh, go look on the YouTube page to see how these teams train, what it's like, and then leave a comment. And if you want to race, uh, contact the particular races from the Air World Series that you want to race in, or leave a shout out on uh, the uh, Air World Series Facebook page. Yeah, you can go on there and you can say, hey, I'm looking for a team. I want to race with a team. You don't necessarily have to put a team together yourself. Uh, you can find a team and, and join them and learn. That's a great way to get into the sport. Yeah, well, I, I can tell you right now that I'm going to get calls. People are going to be saying, hey, so we, let's put a team together. And I'm going, to get, I'm going to get that on and on and on in the next couple of days. And I'm going to have to get back to you and figure out how we can get these people into an event. You bet. That would be great. I'd love to see the OCR group come out and, and take on, you know, the toughest human endurance sport in the world, the, 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 the craziest uh, sport that is it's addicting and exhilarating and, and a, a lifetime in a race. And if they want to get even more in-depth to what's happening, the World Championships, as you said, Richard, is coming up in about a week go to the airworldseries.com website. You can literally follow the race live with uh, little GPS trackers on each team. Now, these GPS trackers, they can't use, but we use them to track them. You can actually watch them in real time along the course, and every day there's going to be what we call the Adventure Center broadcast at the end of each day, and that will broadcast to you what's going on that day in the race. So you can follow it live on the tracker, and we call those people who follow that dot watchers, and then you can get the live broadcast at the end of each day to follow the race near live. Very cool. Well, Eric, thanks so much for taking the time to share this information with my people. And um, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing how all this all shakes out. I'm sure there's a relationship involved here somewhere along the way. I hope so. I think so. And uh, we'd like to have them come out. And if they do come out, uh, it would be great if they uh, let us know wherever they happen to be that, hey, I came from the OCR group. And, uh, you know, maybe they can uh, get a few of our guys over there to do some training with them. I'll tell you what. You talk about the enthusiasm and craziness of the sport. You just touched on a storm. The idea that somebody says, well, this this is pretty tough in the OCR thing, maybe not so much. 
that just is a challenge. They're 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 going to be they're going to be lit up going. Okay, so just do the same thing for six days, no problem. They're going to be on it. You'll see. Well, I I hope so. I mean, I I hesitate to uh, say anything about anybody's sport, especially when I haven't participated in. Yeah. But I I challenge them to come and finish one of these. I really do. Oh, that's no problem. Trust trust <laughs> me. I I could sit here and name off at least ten people right now that are probably when they hear this are are going to be finding ways to get in touch with you. Wow, oh, that would be outstanding. I'd love to see them on the podium. How right. great would that be? Yeah, cool. Well, thank you very much, Eric, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. All right, Richard. Thank you. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.